This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. It's still weird for me speaking to adults. Like Rion said, I, I, I'm a teacher, so this, this is still a bit different to me. But anyway, um, it's, it's, it's been quite a cool thing coming to church this morning. Um, just being part of the prayer in, on, on the other side this morning and, and just listening to, to what was on uh, the Lord's heart uh, that he was sharing through other people. And, and you, hear, you heard some of those words being spoken uh, through various people who, who stood up and, and, and shared this morning. And, and I didn't really tell anyone what my message was going to be about. And, and these people just started saying these things. And it was such a cool confirmation to me because I, I want to speak about you know, just when, when we find ourselves in weird situations and difficult situations and when we find ourselves maybe a little bit off track, how, how, do, we, how do we go back and, and get into a good space? So, so that's been pretty cool for me. Um, so yeah, let's, let me just pray quickly and then, then we'll get going. Oh Lord, thank you that you know exactly where we are and that, that you've been preparing hearts already and, and you've brought everyone here. Maybe that needs to be here, Lord. So I just pray that you would bless my words and prepare everyone's hearts this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, yeah, we're going to be speaking about, um, you know, as, as you heard, sort of troubles and, and things, and I'm going, to, I'm going to begin with a, with a story. Okay, it goes like this. Right, at age 15, Kyle found himself miles from home. This wasn't the environment he was used to. At over 90 kilograms, Kyle was more at home in a mall or with a PlayStation remote in his hands. Kyle had always been a top academic, and he had found acceptance in that. His sharp wit and outgoing nature, together with his willingness to help his friends in understanding their work, made him a popular guy, even though he didn't really play sport. This wasn't a usual thing at a boys' school, and, and Kyle enjoyed that. He enjoyed being popular, even though he didn't play sport. Yet now, out in the African bush, his big old brain couldn't help him. Called the journey, Kyle was on a 21-day hike that would take him over almost 400 kilometers from the gates of his school in Pretoria to a camp about 100 k's short of Nelspreet. Armed with a map, he and the other 15 boys in his group had to hike to camp each day. The two staff members with them were just there to observe, and they had phones, and if they had to phone in some sort of emergency, that's what they would do. The boys carried packs, they had tents and sleeping bags and whatever other kits they wanted to bring. Every few days, as they got into camp, they would be resupplied with food in a box that, that had been placed there, and they would then pack up their food, sort of divide it up, and, and each carry their share, and, and that would have to last them for the next few days until the next box arrived. Right at this moment, Kyle was somewhere near the border between Gauteng and Mpumalanga. The boys leading the hike could see on the map that camp was quite close to a trig beacon, and all they had to do was go and find that trig beacon, and then their camp would be just a short little distance away. Having broken camp at 8 a.m., they'd hiked for about four hours and were closing in on the trig beacon that represented home for the evening. And this was great news to Kyle. Since leaving school, the group had already covered about 75 kilometers, and being o overweight and unfit meant that Kyle was pretty tired and pretty sore. Kyle, however, encouraged by the prospect of a short day's hike, was pretty excited. 
he'd stuck near the front of the group that day, and he had hiked like a beast. He had shown everyone that he had what it took. His excitement was short-lived. The leaders had made a mistake. With no camp where it should have been, they rechecked the map. And they saw that on the other side of the map, there was another trek beacon. And next to that one was camp. I was one of the two staff members with Kyle's group, and I can remember the look on Kyle's face as the leaders announced their mistake. Camp was another four hours hike away. Kyle usually conserved his energy, yet today he had expended it carelessly. How was he going to hike for another four hours when he was already exhausted? His body slumped as he visibly deflated. His spirit was just crushed by the immensity of what lay ahead of him. We're going to come back to Kyle and his story a little bit later. But what I want to talk about today is the journey that we go on through our lives. And the author of Hebrews compares this journey to a race that we are to run with endurance. I prefer the term epic, though. The word race implies something that's over pretty, pretty shortly. But the word epic, that implies a long journey, arduous tasks, heroic tales that develop character. And to me, that sounds a lot more like life than, than just a short race. And if we go on this journey, which path do we take? The Bible speaks about different paths that we walk with, one of them leading to life and the other to death. The verse reads like this. It comes from Matthew 17, and it's verses 13 and 14. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Going back to Kyle for a moment, we know that he was on a physical path, to a physical location. But I don't think Jesus was speaking about a physical path at all. There's no actual path that we walk on. Like None of you followed a path into church this morning. You know where to go. You knew where to go. But there wasn't like dots on the ground like when you walk on Google Maps or something like that. There's no actual path that we walk on. There's no actual gate that we go through. Yet the verse speaks about a path that leads to life or heaven and a path that leads to death or to hell. If there is some sort of path that we go on and a gate that we go through, but they aren't physical, then what are they? I think that our epic journey that we go on is the ongoing set of circumstances that we go through, whether they're good or whether they're bad, that give us opportunities to deepen our relationship with the Lord. Romans 8 gives us some kind of idea of this. It speaks about death and it speaks about life and it fills us in on this relationship aspect. I'm going to read from Romans 8, 6 to 14. It says this. It's quite a long passage. It says, For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, 
we are under obligation. Not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So what can we take out of that? The way to stay on the path, and in other words, to, to handle these circumstances that come our way on our epic journey, is to set our minds on the Spirit and not the flesh. If we do this, we find life and peace as the Spirit of God lives in us. We find life because we are made righteous. If we don't have the Spirit of God in us, then we don't belong to Him. We aren't alive because we lack righteousness and we cannot please God. When we let the Holy Spirit lead us, we build relationship with Him and we can be identified as sons of God. So that's it. Give your life to the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Grow in relationship with Him. Easy, right? told me this preaching thing was going to be hard. (laughs) Obviously, there's more to it than that. What happens when the devil throws you a curveball? What happens if you make some bad decisions? And what happens if, if life just gets you down? Each of us probably just has something that we struggle with. What do we do when we find ourselves in a place when we get off track? When the Spirit of God, although in us, isn't really leading us because, you know, we kind of stopped listening. And, and this has been my story for the last little while. And speaking about storms and things, I feel like I've also been in one. You, you heard I'm a teacher, and, and last term for me was just so busy. It, it was ridiculously hectic. Uh, I got distracted. I got tired. My quiet time dropped off. My church attendance dropped off. Um... You, know, you might even say that I, I did some backsliding. And I, I saw it happening. But I, I, I was just really too tired to do anything proper about it. I found myself in that scary place that Christians often find themselves where God is really, really quiet. And your guilt and shame are screaming louder than ever. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe for you it's not busyness and distraction like it was for me. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's addiction or battling to break old habits. Maybe it's sickness or a death in the family. You could be battling to get a job or maybe you're battling in your current job. Maybe you want to get married. And maybe you're trying to stay married. Maybe you're navigating a massive business deal and maybe you're just trying to put food on the table. Whatever it is, I want to tell you today that feeling a bit lost and off track isn't the end of the world. Romans 8 goes on to say, for your sake we are being killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Paul, who wrote Romans, understood that Christians were not exempt from suffering. He reminds the Roman church that God's people have always had to face situations But they mustn't think that their suffering separates them from God's love. In fact, he goes on to say in Romans 8, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, 
nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. He wrote, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I want to ask though, is, is that really true? Overwhelming victory? Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, right? But it is true. And I want to go through two parables this morning that show us like, what's important when we're searching for that narrow path. What, what do we have to do to get back there? How do we deal with the situations that we're in? And as I do, I want you to watch out for two main categories of circumstances. I mentioned earlier that our epic journey is the ongoing set of circumstances we go through, good and bad, that give us opportunities to grow in our relationship with the Lord. So I want you to watch out for two of those main circumstances that I'm just going to reduce down to obstacles and opportunities. And now we're getting close to what I think Jesus meant when he said, Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who find it. For small is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life and peace, and there are few who find it. In each of those two categories, obstacles and opportunities, I believe that the wide way and the narrow way refer to the choices that we make. So it's not about a path, it's about choices. The wide way refers to our excuses. It's wide because there are many ways to convince ourselves we're right when we're wrong. It's wide because there are many ways to excuse wrong actions and there are many ways to justify wrong behaviors. The narrow way refers to the wise but often tough decisions that we make in relation to our character, our honesty, our integrity, and our relationship with God. It's forgiving. It's loving. It's being kind and patient when we don't know how. It's choosing to pray and to worship and to trust God even when we don't feel like it. It's having faith even when our, our circumstances look really, really bleak. So keep a lookout for those things as we go through the parables, obstacles and opportunities. And think to yourself, would I go wide with excuses or narrow with character? Okay. Maybe even just say that. Say excuses are wide. Character is narrow. Cool. Right. Got the concept. Okay. So the first parable then. The first one comes from Mark chapter 4, verses 3 to 9. It says, Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. The other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no roots, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seed fell into the good soil, and as they grew up, and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, so most of us have heard that parable before. I'm going to run through it very quickly. The seed beside the road that the bird stole is like when the devil quickly steals away what you've heard. The seed falling on the rocky places is like people who hear the word of God with joy, but without a firm root in themselves, show temporary growth. Whenever persecution comes away, uh, comes, you fall away. The seed falling among the thorns is like people who hear the word of the Lord, but allow the world to choke it out so that it dies. 
the seed falling on good soil is like those who properly receive the word of God and then produce 30, 60, 100 fold. But Jesus didn't tell parables to convey information. He told parables for identification. Parables were like a gauge, a way for those who heard them to evaluate their situation and, and kind of try and identify and, and see where they were. So which seed do you guys identify with this morning? Notice, though, it's not actually about the seed. The seed is the same. Where it lands is different. So you could maybe even call this the parable of the soils. So which soil type are you then? Maybe like how I was feeling last term, your obstacles are the weeds that have choked God out of your life. Maybe you're a young Christian and you don't have a solid foundation yet. Maybe you are the good soil this morning. And this morning is going to be all about more revelation, learning more about um, God, more growth, more fruits. And, and that's really cool. That's awesome. If that's where you are, that's good. But maybe you're skeptical about all this Jesus stuff, and it's easy for the devil to come and pluck away anything that God wants to reveal to you this morning. Wherever you are, recognize this. The soil represents the condition of our hearts. Each of those circumstances has their own obstacles and their own opportunities, but it's how you deal with them that matters. You can let God's word take root, choose to be led by him, or you can do it your own way. The choice is yours, wide or narrow. Often when you hear stuff like this in church, maybe you even did this already when you heard all the words being shared earlier this morning. You're like, yeah, that's cool, nice word, cool story. But um, how am I going to get that right? How does this actually help my situation? I want to make good choices, but, but how? You hear stuff that sounds good, but how it's going to work, you don't know. And with that, let's look at the next parable. The next parable is also from Mark. It's a little bit later in the chapter. It's chapter 4, verse 26 to 29. It says this, and he was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil, and he goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. This parable is so good. It's exactly the kind of thing that I need to hear because I love to know. I'm more than happy reading three, four, five books on, on a topic before I even begin to do something about it. Healing, there's a book for that. Prophecy, there's a book for that. Prayer, there's a book for that. Um, wanting to know more about something before actually doing that something can be a serious barrier. And Sometimes even reading the Bible can be that barrier. Remember that verse that says, be doers of the word, not just hearers? It applies. But I think James wrote this in his letter because he knew that the best way to learn was to do. Think about how you learned to drive a car. I'm not going to be able to do this with a mic in my hand, but anyway. Remember the first time you sat there? You had the, the gear stick. Okay, and your hand on the steering wheel, and you're like, mirror, 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 blind spot. <laughs> Clutch in, first gear, 
mirror, 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 blind spot, hand brake down, clutch out, a little bit of accelerator, and off you go. You, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. In, in theory, it sounds so easy. You, you read, this is how you're going to do it, and you think, cool, got this. But you actually sit down in the car, and you've got to coordinate your feet and your hands and checking everywhere around you, and it's, it's hard. You've, you've got to learn by doing. So, yeah, I think, I think that's it. That, that's why James wrote that. You, you've got to learn by doing. But how, how did you learn? You learned by doing, yeah. But, but think about what was going on in your brain and how your, your nerves are learning to coordinate your muscles. Like how it actually happened, you don't know. And to come back to the, to the parable, there's this guy. He's a farmer. He sows its seed and it grows. But he doesn't know how. And I think sometimes we find ourselves in circumstances where we're off the path. We're in this, this trouble and we don't know how we're going to get out of them. And Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. He says it's like a seed, which is something really small, that's going to go into the soil where it can't be seen. And most times when God is busy in our lives, we, we won't know. Remember, in our epic journeys, our path is compared to the circumstances we face that give us an opportunity to grow in our relationships with God. So sometimes what God is doing often seems small and insignificant. It can't be seen, and most times we're totally unaware of how he is doing it. It's a strange thing. Oftentimes when we feel like we aren't growing in our relationship with the Lord, that's actually where we're growing the most. It feels just like the seed, small unseen, in over your head, covered with soil, covered by your circumstances. But Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Weird, eh? I think we all like to imagine that it's this like utopia where everything is perfect. But that's not what he said. Jesus said it was like being covered and somehow producing fruit. How? The farmer doesn't know. And we don't have to either. And that's kind of a relief. Say, I don't have to know. Let's try that again. Say, I don't have to know. And that's a relief, right? You're in the circumstance and you've got no idea of how it's going to work out. Maybe one of those ones that I mentioned earlier, whether it was um, depression, breaking old habits, finances, whatever. And you're thinking... I'm just so deep in this. I've, I've got no idea of how I'm getting out. And we don't have to know. This parable does really uh, reveal the partnership, though, between the farmer and the soil, between us and God. The farmer sows, and the growth is credited to the soil, not to him. But the farmer does do his bit. Remember Romans 8 from earlier? It says we are under obligation, under obligation to live according to the Spirit. The farmer, in this parable, has to sow to begin with. And even once he's sown, he can't just leave it at that. He's got watering to do. He's got plowing to do. There's a partnership. And for us, there's a partnership with God. When we face the circumstances on our epic journeys, our obstacles and our opportunities, we've got some sowing to do, and we've got to just keep sowing. 
We've got to keep watering and we've got to keep plowing. We do the things that we know how to do. And God will use the dirt of our seemingly impossible circumstance to bring growth and produce fruit. Sometimes that's got to look like an instant fix. You've got to come up to the front and someone's going to pray for you and you'll be healed. Or you'll be walking through the desert with no way to go and the sea will just part in front of you and you'll walk through. Sometimes there's an instant fix, but other times you've just got to keep going through what you're going through. It's going to be a long and arduous journey and on the way, God's got to strip away all the things that you thought were good about yourself. Everything where you were self-sufficient and you didn't have to rely on God, God's got to strip away those things. But he knows. He'll, he'll be able to do whichever one. Either way, God is willing and he is able. It comes down to us doing our part. Do you go wide or do you go narrow? I'll say that part again. <laughs> Whatever situations we're facing, God is willing and he is able to get involved and to help whether that's going to be an instant fix or whether he's going to be with you on the journey where you realize that you need to lean on him. He is willing and he is able. But we've also got to do our part. It comes down to us doing our bit. Do you choose the excuse and go wide or do you go narrow? So let's, let's end off by thinking back on a few things. Remember the first parable. What was the first parable? Sowing the seeds. Okay, remember that one. Remember the one with the seeds falling on the good soil that take root? Remember those guys? Okay, the ones that produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Those ones. Did you notice that they didn't fall anywhere near the path? We've been talking about the narrow path. These seeds didn't fall anywhere near the path. They're thrown far from the path because that's where the best growth happens. Another way to maybe think of it is New ground is broken where there are no paths. Our calling is in the dirt. We reach our potential in the dirt. Coming back to Kyle, he could have chosen not to go on that journey. It was an option that the school gave. Something so big must have been so intimidating for him. He could have gone wide and used an excuse, but he went narrow and his life changed as a result. What happened on that day we got lost? I told Kyle that when he thought camp was close, he was able to hike like a beast. And now that he knew it was far, he seemed all disappointed. And that everything actually was in his head. If he thought he could, then he could. And if he thought he couldn't, he couldn't. And he learned a lesson that day. He finished the hike that day, and he finished the next day, and the one after that, and he completed all the hikes, and he finished the journey strong. He lost about 15 kilograms in all, but what he gained was a new mindset. After the journey, Kyle kept the weight off, and in fact, he lost more. He had some good friends that encouraged him along the way, and he had a person that believed in him. And those things are important. I think it's important to surround yourself with good friends that are going to encourage you on, on your journey as you go. And, and make sure that they are good friends. Make sure that... Um, that they aren't using wide excuses and that they're staying narrow as well, otherwise they're going to take you off track. But Kyle had good friends, and, and ultimately he made the decision to keep walking, to keep the weight off. 
he allowed the seed, the lesson that the journey taught him, to take root. Last term when I was busy and and tired and distracted, I started thinking about what I was going to speak about this morning. And it, and it was quite hard for me being so far in the muck and, and just really not feeling, I don't know, like even worthy of coming to speak to people this morning because I was so far off track myself. I felt lost and, I, I don't know, just through it all, I just just clung to God and I don't know how I came through, but, but I did. I, it was with, with Him, obviously, and, and I... I had this narrow path verse in my heart, and I I wanted to share this morning in in my sermon about how to find the narrow path, and I wanted to share some sort of help with anyone else who was feeling the same. But in meditating on the verses that I've shared today, in spending time with God, I realized that there's there's no real path at all. There's no line to follow. Rather, there's a person to follow. And we've got some choices to make regarding that. The condition of our hearts... And the choices we make are important. Our obstacles are actually just other opportunities for us to grow in our relationship with the Lord. We do have an obligation. We do have a part to play. Are we using those opportunities? Are we playing, or are we playing the blame game? Do we play the poor me card? Do we let the flesh lead us? Or do we let the spirit lead us? Are we going wide? Or are we going narrow? So it's been a short message this morning, but I really hope that it, it spoke to you where, where you are um, and, and that it gives you some kind of help in, in realizing that if you are off track, it, it really isn't the end of the world, that where you are is, is most likely exactly where God needs you to be, that it's about the condition of your heart and who you choose to follow that the dirt off the track is actually the best place for your growth. And that's, that's where you're going to grow the most. That, that's where your calling is. That's where you're going to find your potential. All those situations that, that seem so unfair and you know, just, why me? And where are you, God? All those situations, they're, they're actually there to, to grow you. And, and if you allow the dirt... To, to kind of do its work and, and partner with God in that and, and do just the things that you know how to do, then there's massive growth waiting for you. There's fruit coming in your life. And, and like the end of that parable shares, it's, it's only then that the, the farmer puts sickle to, to the wheat and he, and he harvests the crop or, or the grain. So don't look at your circumstances that, that are bad and, and troubling and, and the storms and the hurricanes and the things that were mentioned. Don't look at those things and think that it's all bad. Being in that situation isn't all bad. It's actually where you're going to grow the most. So let me pray for us. Lord, thank you that being off track, being in the dirt isn't all bad. Thank you that nothing can separate us from your love, Lord. Lord, you are the way the truth, and the life. Lord, we just ask that you would help us to choose you no matter what we face. 
no matter what our circumstances. Lord, we just ask that you would change our mindsets. You would change our hearts. Change the soil of our hearts, Lord. Help us to see that in every situation we face, we're not alone. You are with us. And it's those situations that are going to grow us, Lord. They're going to teach us. They're going to teach us to lean more on you. And we don't, we don't always know how, Lord. But help us to just do the little things that we know. Help us to have faith to trust in you, Lord. Use those situations, use those storms to perfect our faith. So that we may grow in you, Lord. That we may grow deeper in relationship with you. So that we may be led by you, Lord. Led by the spirits and not by the flesh. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.